The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan Golvach, dear friend of mine, episode 64, folks. Dan is a wealth of knowledge. He's been studying the elites for over 40 years and then ended up in the White House you know, back in 2016, 17, 18, because of a situation that occurred when his son Spencer was murdered, murdered in cold blood by a four times deported illegal alien. And so Dan ended up campaigning for Donald Trump during 2015 to help get the wall built. And I didn't get into it with him last night because it's upsetting but in the end dan knows he was pretty much used he knew he was going to be used uh but he wanted to lend spencer's story to help try to at least wake up people to the horrors of our border and the lies being told by our officials so i will have dan back on we can dig so deep unfortunately we had to record late last night And so usually Dan gets tired by them. Um, He's out playing music all the time, and then he gets back, and he tries to push himself. But I'll try to get him on during the day when he's all pumped up, and we'll do another show. But that was a great, fantastic episode, I think. If you haven't listened to it, episode 64. Uh, To everyone who has joined pain.tv slash gold, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And... To everyone who has left a five-star review and a comment at Apple Podcasts, thank you as well. If you haven't done that, please take a minute out of your day. Leave us a five-star and a comment over there. It really, really does help. The show is growing, and that is because people are sharing it, people are commenting on it, people are rating it. All right, as usual, if you want to get in touch with me, all the links to the different social medias we're using are in the description below and there's been several people who have written me and asked if they can leave some kind of a donation you know that kind of uh business model i'll call it i'll be honest uh worked over in kind of the youtube world most people don't use it in the podcast space but we're going to be expanding out into the video world as well so i'm not going to say no to it um so if you want to leave me some kind of a donation we're going to come up with some kind of tier system i mean obviously i do have to pay bills and i'm working on this pretty much night and day uh until i run out of money and my wife tells me to go back to work but uh (laughs) 
because uh, either this show has to make it on advertisements and sponsors, or I'm going to have to come up with some kind of business model eventually. But uh, I will have some sort of a donation link coming in the next uh, few days. I know we were setting that up today. There's a few more steps, and so I will include that for you if you do want to leave a donation. Otherwise, go over to pain.tv slash gold, and you could join there for about, I think it's $8 and change a month. You get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast, as well as the Thomas Payne podcast, and a community of like-minded individuals in a Facebook-like app. And it's a good place to spread in Intel, pick up Intel, learn, and teach other people. All right, folks, episode 65, I've got a lot of news piling up here from you guys over at pain.tv slash gold, as well as from Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Payne podcast on Fridays, but I'm not going to get to that stuff right now because I need to get through Dr. James Giordano. And let me just remind you who Giordano is and why we're pulling this uh, together here. Uh, I'm over at Modern War Institute. If you want to find this video, just Google Modern War Institute. The brain is the battlefield of the future. And uh, you can go to the website. It's mwi.usma.edu. And this is Modern War Institute at West Point. And this video we're going to review here, it says... In this video, Dr. James Giordano speaks to United States Military Academy cadets and faculty about the human brain and the future of war. And this was October 29th, 2018. And if you remember, the last West Point cadet video we analyzed was Dr. Charles Morgan III, and that was also from 2018. And we picked up a lot of intelligence from that video. I mean, a lot, folks. If you have not listened to that episode, I suggest you find it. We learned all about killer stem cells, diseases that the government has uh, the ability to create that can be spread airborne and targeted to only kill you based on your DNA profile. All right. So let me just show you why. And we're covering Dr. James Giordano. So as you know, we spent several episodes on a document called Cyborg Soldier 2050. And I have this document up on the screen for those of you in the video audience. It is uh, U.S. Army Combat Capabilities Development Command Chemical Biological Center. And it's called Cyborg Soldier 2050, Human-Machine Fusion and the Implications for the Future of the Department of Defense. And human-machine fusion is merger of man and machine called singularity or transhumanism. And the co-authors of this paper are Dr. Peter Emanuel, Dr. Diane Duilius, both of which we reviewed in a Military.com Left of Boom podcast, where they were being interviewed about this document. And there's a second part to that podcast we'll be analyzing in the next few days. The other co-authors of this paper are Scott Walper, Natalie Klein, James B. Petro, and of course, Dr. James Giordano, who we're going to get into tonight. And it's important to understand who Dr. Charles Morgan III is, Drs. Peter Emanuel and Diane Dulius, Dr. James Giordano and these others, because these are the government-sanctioned Frankenstein doctors that are developing all of this transhumanist Marvel superhero technology. All right, let me read you a little bit about 
James Giordano. I just want you to become somewhat familiar with him before I start to analyze the lecture. James Giordano is a PhD, uh, Chief Neuroethics Studies Program at Georgetown uh, UMC. All right, and this is over at brainperspective.org. I'm going to just show you a couple of bios on him. Uh, because there's different information floating around. So this says Dr. James Giordano is chief of the Neuroethics Studies Program in the Pellegrino Center for Clinical Bioethics and a professor in faculty fellow of neurosciences and ethics at the... Oh, oh, look, I apologize. There's something wrong with this website here, and it's cutting off uh, part of the text. So for the video audience, you can see that. Let me just try to reread this real quick here. Dr. James Giordano is the Chief of Neuroethics Studies Program in the Pellegrino Center for Clinical Bioethics and a professor in the Department of Neurology and Graduate Liberal Studies Program at, George Washington, uh, at Georgetown University, Washington, D.C., uh, U.S. He is Clark Faculty Fellow of Neurosciences and Ethics at the Human Science Center of Ludwig Maximilians Universitat in Munich, Germany, where he previously was J.W. Fulbright Foundation Visiting Professor. Dr. Giordano is William H. and Ruth Crane Schaffer, Distinguished Visiting Professor of Neuroethics at uh, Gallaudet University in Washington. Uh, is appointed to the Neuroethics Legal and Social Issues Advisory Panel of Defense Advanced Research Agency, DARPA. Okay, so he's involved with DARPA as the Social Issues Advisory Panel. Uh, and is a fellow of the Center for National Preparedness at the University of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His ongoing research focuses upon the use of advanced neurotechnologies to explore the neurobiology of pain and other neuro psychiatric spectrum disorders the neuroscience of moral decision making and the neuroethical issues arising from the use of neuroscience and neurotechnology in research clinical medicine public life international relations and policy and national security and defense the author of over 200 peer-reviewed papers, and seven books in neuroscience and neuroethics. Dr. Giordano is editor-in-chief of the journal Philosophy, Ethics, and Humanities in Medicine, associate editor for the journal Neuroethics, and executive editor-in-chief of the book series Advances in Neurotechnology, Ethical, Legal, and Social Issues. All right, now I want to pull up Another bio on him. Again, I told you there's different bios and there's some important information in here. This is over at Georgetown. Uh, GU faculty360.georgetown.edu. And the reason why I have this one up, where is it, folks? We read all the other stuff. Okay, Dr. Giordano is currently fellow of the project on biosecurity, technology, and ethics at the U.S. Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. He chairs the neuroethics program of the IEEE Brain Initiative 
is a senior science advisory fellow of the strategic multi-layer assessment branch of the joint staff of the Pentagon. Right? So he's a senior science advisory fellow of the strategic multi-layer assessment branch of the joint staff of the Pentagon. Serves as an appointed member of the Neuroethics, Legal, and Social Issues Advisory Panel of the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, and is consulting bioethicist to the Department of Defense Medical Ethics Center. He previously served an appointed member of the United States Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Advisory Council on Human Research Protections and as task leader of the Project on Dual-Use Neurotechnologies of the European Union Human Brain Project. So if you weren't positive whether or not this guy was tied into the government, (laughs) At both the United States and the world level, I think you can understand that now. We're dealing with a government mad scientist. There's just a little more info here I'll give you. This says, the author of over 300 publications, 7 books, and 20 government white papers. Okay, 20 government white papers. That was not in the other bio, and I wanted to give that to you. On neurotechnology, biosecurity, and ethics. He's editor-in-chief of the International Journal. Okay, we already got that part. So I wanted to show you all of his government tie-ins, all the panels, the boards, the committees, the white papers, everything that he sits on, everything that he's written. So this way you'll have a clear understanding of who James Giordano is before we start reviewing his work. Now, let me just show you this. This was a paper I found. In doing some other research, actually. And this is called Redefining Neuroweapons, Emerging Capabilities in Neuroscience and Neurotechnology. And this is authored by Joseph DeFranco, who we haven't gotten into yet, and then Diane Deulius and James Giordano. So there's the two of them involved in Cyborg Soldier 2050, working on another paper together on redefining neuroweapons. And this is a 15-page white paper. There's a lot of this stuff available online. And eventually, I'd like to go through you know, a fair amount of it. Uh, but I have to work it in between other shows. Otherwise, it's going to get boring and you guys are going to get uh, kind of, I think you'll fall asleep if all I do is review white papers the entire show. But it is important. Now, I'm over here at another site here. This is the Mad Scientist Laboratory. And it's not just some kooky site, folks. This is madsciblog, madsciblog.tradoc.army.mil. So this is over at the Army's military website. And this is a document I found written on August 8th, 2019. It says 168. That must be like uh, the the article number. Linking brains to machines and use of neurotechnology to the cultural and ethical perspectives of the current global stage. And when I get back, I'm going to review that for you quickly before we get into the video lecture from Dr. James Giordano because... This article I find to be quite fascinating. This was Dr. Giordano and Dr. Uh, or Mr. Joseph DeFranco. So that was who he co-authored this uh, redefining 
neuroweapons piece with, but this is the two of them commenting on Elon Musk's Neuralink brain chip. So it's the government scientist commenting on the government's frontman, Elon Musk, and his technology, Neuralink brain chip, which is bringing the government's technology forward, of which we showed you through Dr. Charles Morgan III's lecture that they were already doing the Neuralink brain chip inside the government going back to at least 2003. And we know that DARPA has been involved with this stuff going back to the 1970s. So I think it's important to let you hear what Dr. James Giordano says about Elon Musk since we spent so much time on Elon Musk before we get into the lecture featuring Dr. James Giordano. Folks, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. Let's take a look at this. So again, we're over at the Mad Scientist Laboratory on the Army's official government website. Again, this is Article 168, linking brains to machines and use of neurotechnology to the cultural and ethical perspectives of the current global stage. And this was written on August 8th, 2019. It says right here, folks, editors note, in today's post, returning guest bloggers, Mr. Joseph DeFranco and Dr. James Giordano, examine the ramifications of Neuralink moving forward with brain-machine interfaces, posing five tough questions on what the crossing of this neuroscience, uh, neuroscience frontier means from medical, ethical, legal, and geopolitical perspectives. Read their compelling post, Will Neuromodified Human Actors Be Considered Weaponized Biological Agents? And so you can go read that if you want to. But let me just get into this because I find it to be quite fascinating that Dr. James Giordano, part of the Cyborg Soldier 2050 project, is writing about Elon Musk Neuralink back in 2019. And I said, ah, let me, let me, this will just give you a look into James Giordano's mind before we review this lecture. It says here on July 16th, Elon Musk announced that his company Neuralink will move to advanced clinical translation of a novel brain-machine interface, BMI, that he claims holds promise for the restoration of sensory and motor function and the treatment of neurological disorders. Although the company's efforts to develop such a BMI, so folks, just lock that into your head, BMI is brain-machine interface, BMI. Such a BMI has only been underway for 28 months. It has already created an innovative functioning application 
in an in vivo rat model. Musk seeks to begin clinical trials in 2020 for treatment of particular neurological disorders. Musk also asserts that this technology could and should be available to any individual who wishes to achieve, quote, better access, quote, and, quote, better communication, uh, better connections, end quote, to the, quote, world, each other, and ourselves, end quote. And you guys remember that. We reviewed Elon Musk and Neuralink in depth on this show. But it, it, it's interesting because we're now bringing the military side into the so-called private sector side and seeing how the military folks comment on the private sector folks. The BMI involves implantation of microelectrodes, as many as 3,072 per array, to record uh, to record neurological activity in the brain. These electrodes convey signals to sensors that can be detected by an external device, for instance, an iPhone. The intricacies and complex nature of the brain's neural architecture and uh, vasculature demand precision of the implantation procedure. And And to this end, Neuralink will employ a newly developed robotic system for inserting the electrodes. Remember, we watched that. It's called uh, made by a company called Woke Studios. And it's designed to drill a hole in the back of your head, cut open your brain lining, flip that open, and then jam a 1,000 electrodes, uh, wires down into your brain with about 1,024 electrodes on each wire goes on to say this system will be monitored and managed by a neurosurgeon who can manually adjust the robotic system as needed during the procedure. That's back in 2019. I don't think they need humans involved anymore. It says, uh, where are we, folks? This emerging technology is noteworthy and could foster understanding and treatments of a number of neuro psychiatric conditions yet there are several questions that we believe must be addressed and answered before Neuralink or any related technology is offered and made available to the public so now you have dr james giordano talking about this technology getting ready for human trials back in 2019 and now he's going to make his remarks about what needs to be answered before this is introduced to the public and available to the public it says, first, who will receive this BMI? Presentations by Musk assert that a main goal is to make the procedure as simple and automated as LASIK, like LASIK eye surgery. Okay. It continues to say, we also advocate the importance of and need for safe and reliable procedures. In this light, it should be borne in mind that the methods described require neurosurgical intervention to insert the electrodes. Yeah, they drill a hole in your head and cut the lining open. All right, it goes on to say, and although the level of invasiveness may be reduced and perhaps increasingly minimized with iterative developments of technology and protocols, inherent neurosurgical risks, for example, intracranial bleeding, infection, etc., must be recognized. It may well be that the relative benefit to burden risk calculus may support the use of a novel procedure if and when other 
extant and prior interventions are ineffective. Still, we advocate that any such consideration should appreciate and engage questions and contingencies relative to mitigating risks. And then there's a table they want you to look at. To wit, what conditions will be treated using this approach, or perhaps more specifically, which patients will receive such treatments. Okay, so do you understand that? So now Giordano is basically saying, okay, we need to understand that we're tapping into somebody's head, basically. We know that Musk has a robot. It's going to be doing most of the work, but, you know, this is basically brain surgery. The second point they make is that who will perform this procedure and where will it take place? And if Musk's uh, innovation to any individual who seeks, quote, better access, end quote, and better connections to the world each other and ourselves, end quote, is indicative of a broader interest in and market for receiving this BMI technology. The question of, quote, who will receive the interventions, end quote, becomes even more pressing. Given current attitudes in the United States, Europe, Japan, and Australia regarding medical interventions intended for non-therapeutic for example, optimization and enhancement purposes, will surgeons in these countries be amenable to implanting the Neuralink BMI for such ends? If not, then we query where these procedures might be provided. Further, we ask how and to what extent these procedures will be funded. Okay, so Giordano wants to know who's paying for this and who's actually going to do these surgeries all right so there's no ethical or moral uh questions coming up he just wants to know like hey we know it's brain surgery where's this stuff going to be performed that's what we want to know over here at the frankenstein laboratories over which actually called mad scientist labs at the uh military that's actually the name of it folks mad scientist laboratory all right, it goes on to say, third, his third question. If, as Musk has stated, this technology is to remain implanted and function for, quote, years to decades and possibly a lifetime, end quote, will and where will ongoing research be performed to prospectively assess the benefit, burdens, and or harms incurred? So, if I get a brain chip, where am I going to go to be evaluated to make sure I'm doing well? It says, fourth, given this proposed durability, it is likely that one, newer versions of the technology will be developed. We talked all about this, folks, basically like the iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Okay, and two, older versions of the technology will require maintenance and updating. Therefore, we ask if and how issues and problems of obsolescence will be addressed and resolved will and how will device maintenance and upgrades be covered under some remunerative plan quote insurance corporate sponsorship etc okay so he wants to know what happens when you're upgrading what happens if you need a new chip and so, as Musk explained before, you could definitely upgrade it. We've heard that going back to uh, 2020 when he was on Joe Rogan Experience. So, I guess when he went on there in 2020, he had answered all of the questions that Dr. James Giordano asked for answers in 2019. So, in 2020, he addressed those. 
Fifth, as this technology becomes available to the public, will there be a time when the majority of a society has a BMI? If this were to occur, what about the minority who don't? Or if only a select few can acquire a BMI, how will society regard and treat these individuals? Here, scenarios such as that posed in Daniel Wilson's novel, Amped, come to the fore. And what about... Oh, and what of the gap between the neuro-capabilized haves and those who have not? Remember, Yuval Noah Harari talks about this, right? The useless humans, and then the people who have controlled the data will be the gods. All right, it goes on to say, such questions should not be limited to concerns about international distributive justice. What does the use of this technology uh, portend for the schism between developed, developing and undeveloped nations, right? So now the question is, what happens to all the people that don't get the chip? So now he'll call the people with the chip the haves, the people without the have-nots. What happens to uh, these two groups of people? It goes on to say, we applaud Neuralink's strivings to develop cutting-edge therapeutics and respect their view towards neurological optimization. These developments prompt, if not mandate, recognition and acknowledgement of varying cultural needs, values, philosophies, and ethics, as each and all influence uh, receptivity to this and other forms of BMI research and uses in practice. Some nations, based upon their views, ethos, and ethics, may be more, more willing, if not eager, to provide this technology to their citizens and possibly to warfare intelligence and national security personnel. As you can see, what did that start out with? Giordano is saying they applied, uh, applaud Neuralink for trying to bring this to the masses. So Giordano, this government Frankenstein doctor, part of Cyborg Soldier 2050, is definitely on board with the idea of bringing the brain-machine interface to the masses ladies and gentlemen when we get back we're going to jump into this lecture with dr james giordano the man who agrees with putting microchips inside people's heads let's see what he has to say ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pain.TV slash gold. I am Dustin Gold and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, dissecting, dismantling, and analyzing the technocratic transhumanists, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we are focused on over here. Let me just finish this up for you. Dr. James Giordano's thoughts, and we're going to jump right into the video lecture at West Point Academy in 2019, folks. 
It just goes on to say here, after Giordano praises Elon Musk and Neuralink, he says, at present, BMIs, that's the brain-machine interfaces, are not addressed by the Biological and Toxin Weapons Convention. However, if Neuralink-type BMIs and other neurotechnologies are used to augment WINS operators, it begs the question of whether neuromodified human actors should be considered, quote, weaponized biological agents, end quote. And if so, how should they be regarded and treated, both during their tenure and service and afterward? And much of this is addressed in the Cyborg Soldier 2050 piece. And so we're going to get back into that in a couple of episodes, folks. Goes on to say, to be sure, neurotechnology is rapidly advancing toward even uh, toward ever greater capabilities. Will global civic and wins institutions remain apace? Given the distinctions in the socio-cultural and political values, aims, and ethics that shape research and its applications, what discourses and dialectic will be needed or accepted to guide, govern, and constrain acting with such haste so as to avoid repenting in leisure? As we are fond of saying, and as every neurosurgeon knows well, it is wisest to measure twice, cut once. Whether opening a skull, a vista of new capabilities and possibilities, or a can of worms. So he's basically saying, let's make sure that Elon Musk does this correctly, folks. Let's make sure we do this right. Let's make sure we don't start giving out this technology to everyone, folks. We need to make sure that uh, maybe it only ends up in the right hands. I don't know. Let's go into the mind of Dr. James Giordano here, folks. And let me just remind you before we start this again, this is from October 29, uh, 29, 2018, actually, not 2019, 2018, in front of the Modern War Institute at the West Point Military Academy. Let's let this roll. Good afternoon, and thank you for coming today's MWI speaker event with Dr. James Giordano. Dr. Giordano is a professor in the Department of Neurology and Biochemistry, Chief of the Neuroethics Studies Program of the Pellegrino Center for Clinic Bioethics, and co-director of the O'Neill Pellegrino Program in Brain Science and Global Health Law and Policy at Georgetown University Medical Center. As well, Dr. Giordano currently serves as an appointed member of the United States Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Advisory Council on Human Research Protections. He's a researcher and task leader of the European Union Human Brain Project and has served as an appointed member of the Neuroethics Legal and Social Issues advisory panel of the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, and senior advisory fellow of the Strategic Multilayer Assessment Branch of the Joint Staff of the Pentagon. It's quite a bit. In his spare time, he has authored over 260 publications in neuroscience and neuroethics, seven books, and 13 government white papers on neurotechnology, ethics, and biosecurity, and is an editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Philosophy, Ethics, and Humanities in Medicine. Dr. Giordano, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Let's bring up a big technocratic transhumanist Frankenstein doctor for the United States government, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. James Giordano, come on down. No, no. 
Don't applaud now, wait till the end because the performance pressure is much too severe if you do that. And my thought is you're probably not gonna applaud at the end, but what I'm gonna hear is the slamming shut of your sphincters with fear. That's good, that's been successful. Okay, so he just said, yeah, that's his opening line. Uh, no, 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 folks, don't applaud now. Applaud at the end because there's too much performance anxiety. And uh, at the end, I'm not going to hear your applause. I'm going to hear the slamming shut of your sphincter. Yeah, so he's basically telling him he's going to blow their minds, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if he can blow our minds because obviously over here, we've heard a lot of stuff, folks. We just need to add more into the mix, really to try to fully understand what is going on, what these technocrats are building. So let's listen to him. I know he sounds like a radio host, which actually is quite entertaining, because Dr. Charles Morgan was kind of putting me to sleep. But uh, all right, let's go. Uh, let's continue here. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a real honor to be here. Is Cadet Yoshi in the audience? Hello. No PDAs, but I do want you to come up and say hello. Your mother says hello. I'm just, everybody has a mother, I know hers. So what we're here to talk about today is the fact that the brain is and will be the 21st century battlescape in many ways. End of story. We could stop it there and I could let you go back to your respective units and think about that for a while, but I'm here to tell you absolutely as much as there's a big old Tyrolean nose on this face, that you will encounter some form of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized not only in your military career, but in your personal and professional lives. Did you guys catch all that? I mean, did you catch all that? I, I think I should just roll this back and let you hear that again, because this is very important, ladies and gentlemen. Don't just think of this as the technology that is going to be used you know, in the military and battlefields. Let me just tell you something. The world is a battlefield. We are at war now. These people have declared war on humanity. We are the enemies, okay? We are the enemies of these Frankenstein doctors. So when he's talking about the battlefield, think of it as we are the enemies. They are waging war against us. So all of the technology that he refers to is what is being used against us. And that is how I want you to think about this lecture, I want you to take that perspective when you listen to this lecture. So don't think of it as a guy in the military talking to a group of cadets about in the future when they may have to go to war in 12 years with North Korea. No, we are the enemy. The war has been waged on us right here in the United States. Our biggest enemy is our government, not Russia, not China, not North Korea. It is the United States government. And they have waged war on us, and they are using the techniques and the strategies and the tools and the technology that James Giordano is going to talk about, okay? So this is Commander Gold here prepping you for what you're about to listen to. This is an enemy of ours speaking to a group of people he is training on his side on how they're going to wage war against me and you. So when they talk about the brain being a battlefield, think about all of the things I've already showed you that they can do to the brain. The fact that they're rolling out psychedelics, they are creating uh, pharmaceutical shortages on purpose in cooperation with the pharmaceutical companies. And they're going to be replacing that stuff with basically MKUltra, lab-grown, government-controlled psychedelics. 
strapping people up with consumer-grade VR and AR goggles and headsets that come from the front men, the front men that control the quote-unquote private sector companies that are rolling out the government technology. So the brain is the battlefield is true. We are the enemy who is going to have our brains tampered with by the people who claim to be our allies, our protectors, when in fact they are our enemies and our executioners. All right, let's continue. I'm going to roll that back. I want you to hear the whole piece. And my thought is you're probably not going to applaud at the end, but what I'm going to hear is the slamming shut of your sphincters with fear. That's good. That's been successful. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a real honor to be here. Is that Yoshi in the audience? Hello. No PDAs, but I do want you to come up and say hello. Your mother says hello. I'm just, everybody has a mother, I know hers. So what we're here to talk about today is the fact that the brain is and will be the 21st century battlescape. The brain is and will be the 21st century battlescape. Is and will be. So he's saying it already is. The brain already is the 21st century battlescape. In many ways. End of story. We could stop it there and I could let you go back to your respective units and think about that for a while, but I'm here to tell you absolutely as much as there's a big old Tyrolean nose on this face, that you will encounter some form of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized not only in your military career, but in your personal and professional lives. Okay, let's pause that again. So we already picked up brain is the 21st century battlescape, right? He says is and will be. But is is good because he admits to the fact that they're doing it. Let's just play back this second part. Your respective units and think about that for a while. But I'm here to tell you absolutely as much as there's a big old Tyrolean nose on this face that you will encounter some form of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized not only in your military career, but in your personal and professional lives. Okay, so what did he just say? You will encounter this weaponized brain tampering not just in the military but in your professional and personal lives play that one more time be the 21st century battlescape in many ways end of story we could stop it there and i could let you go back to your respective units and think about that for a while but i'm here to tell you absolutely as much as there's a big old tyrolean nose on this face that you will encounter some form of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized not only in your military career but in your personal and professional lives weaponized neurocognitive science you got that so you will encounter weaponized neurocognitive science not just in your military career but in your personal and professional lives meaning that all of us have encountered this at some point in our personal and professional lives right so weaponized neurocognitive science Now, I think that's very important, folks. You just picked up a lot of information. One, you have a very high-ranking gentleman inside the government, a Frankenstein doctor, highly credentialed, influential, saying that the brain is the 21st century battlescape and that basically everyone has encountered some sort of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized in their personal and professional lives. And that would be true, folks. I don't know. Let's see if he gives some examples. I could name a few. Pretty much everything that you're encountering on social media is weaponized neurocognitive science. All right, let's continue. Perspective of whether those two things coincide or not. So the idea of the brain as the battlescape is very important. And more importantly is this other acronym that's up there, which is WMD squared. Please get used to this because this is going to be part of the idea of irregular warfare and ongoing military innovation 
in your careers. Weapons of mass destruction and disruption. Disruption and influence will be the key to creating peer capabilities and asymmetrical engagements. All right, folks. Now, it's going to take a little bit of effort to get through this and to absorb everything he says. But trust me, this is well worth it because there is so much, so much information that this guy packs into every five seconds. Let me just replay that. Important. And more importantly is this other acronym that's up there, which is WMD squared. Please get used to this because this is going to be part of the idea of irregular warfare and ongoing military innovation in your careers. Weapons of mass destruction and disruption. Weapons of mass destruction and disruption. Disruption. Disruption and influence will be the key to creating disruption and influence. Okay, you got that? So, weapons of mass destruction and disruption and influence. Peer capabilities and asymmetrical engagements. Let me Peer capabilities and asymmetrical. Okay. All right. So let, let's just let's just stop for a second here. So right now we have brain is the 21st century battlescape. We have everyone has experienced some form of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized against us and we have this new formula wmd squared which is weapons of mass destruction and disruption and influence so what he's talking about here folks is the ability to manipulate to control the mind and so when we get back from this break i'm going to let him to continue to control your mind because he's very good at it but if you could pick up a couple of nuggets from this guy you're going to understand the game that they are playing and the game that they have played against us for the last two and a half years as we lived inside of covid land the high school theater production all right ladies and gentlemen clear your head when we come back there's more to analyze from dr james giordano ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let me pull this right back up. We're going to pick up where we left off here, but this guy jam-packs information uh, into his lecture, and so we're going to be pausing a lot because we want to learn try to understand what he's talking about not just hear him we want to try to understand him all right so let's continue with this to creating peer capabilities and asymmetrical engagements let me say it again it will be the key to creating peer capability and asymmetrical relations and okay peer capability let's i'm writing these things down capability and this is what helps me connect the dots later on Peer capability, and what did he say? Asymmetrical 
asymmetrical. Let's back it up one more second here, folks. To creating peer capabilities and asymmetrical engagements. Let me say it again. It will be the key to creating peer capability and asymmetrical relations and engagements. If we talk about what brain science is, let me just give you a little bit of brief background on this field that is now called neuroscience. As a titular field, as a named field, neuroscience has only been in existence for 40 years. I know that because I've been a neuroscientist for about 38 of those 40 years. Okay, so this is something important, right? We've obviously come across a lot of this stuff in both the private sector, the public sector, academia, okay? And so now we know, and you guys know, that brain science, right, is now called neuroscience. And as of 2018, uh, it had been around for about 40 years, okay? So about 40 years. So we go back to the uh, 70s there. He says he has been one for about 38 years. All right, let's continue. When I first applied to get into a program in neuroscience, there were only four neuroscience programs in the continental United States, four. Right now, at this particular point, there were well over 200 dedicated university and collegiate programs, several programs at the junior college level, several programs at the high school level, and many, many dozens of independent think tanks and philanthropic organizations solely devoted to brain sciences. Okay, so very, very important, folks. Very important. So when we sit here and we talk about how it seems like the transhumanists are coming at us at what we would say warp speed ladies and gentlemen donald trump warp speed operation warp speed love warps love speeds both stupid so fantastic and so now we're looking at this stuff coming at us at warp speed and you would say well why why now these folks have been focused on trying to bend the mind break the mind control the mind tap into the mind and so you have to look back to Dr. Sidney Gottlieb and this MK Ultra program that supposedly went on from early 1950s to early 1960s. Gottlieb stayed at the CIA to the early 1970s. But so they were trying to mind tap and mind bend and everything else going back then. So the modern stuff, uh, the more respectable brain science that Dr. James Giordano is talking about, he says has been around since about 1978, so the late 70s but listen to how many programs he said it started with four and now how many are available through universities high schools think tanks etc listen to it one more time and you'll understand why we are being surrounded by all of this brain hacking and mind control technology years i know that because i've been a neuroscientist for about 38 of those 40 years when I first applied to get into a program in neuroscience, there were only four neuroscience programs in the continental United States, four. Right now, at this particular point, there were well over 200 dedicated university and collegiate programs, several programs at the junior college level, several programs at the high school level, and many, many dozens of independent think tanks and philanthropic organizations solely devoted to brain sciences. All right, so you got that. So it went from roughly four programs in 1980 to now over 200 programs at the university level, several in 
uh, junior college, several in high school, and dozens of think tanks dedicated to neuroscience. And this all ties into the transhumanist element, folks. Because all of these programs, if you look into them, are always looking at mind-bending, mind-hacking, mind-control. Implanting brain interfaces, sucking out information. That's what it all is. This isn't to cure 17 people with brain defects or with dementia. Okay, that's not why this is being developed. These people do not throw around at the world level trillions of dollars into these programs, creating all types of neuroscientists, brain scientists, for the purpose of curing 87-year-old grandma and grandpa with dementia. That is not why they do this. If you think that, maybe you need to see a neuroscientist. No, I'm telling you, folks, it's not because they love us. We know that already. All right, let's continue. That's just here in the United States. Furthermore, what becomes critically important for you to understand is that brain science is not just a United States enterprise or effort, nor is it singularly an effort of the United States allies worldwide. Increasingly, it is becoming an international, multinational, global, and independently exercised event and endeavor. Okay, so you got it there, right? So brain science, very important, folks. Brain science is not just an activity of the United States or the United States and its allies or certain countries. He said it's an international, it is a global, it is a worldwide move here brain science worldwide he says worldwide folks increases the capability of the brain sciences to develop not only new theories but ever more sophisticated tools i like this slide a lot because what it presents for you ladies and gentlemen is essentially a century long history of brain science even before it was called neuroscience look let's face it for as long as human beings were looking in some reflective pool and recognized that the thing looking back at them was themselves there was some interest in what makes me me what makes me think what makes me feel, what makes me behave the way I do and you behave and think the way you do. What is my sense of self? Do I have free will and what is the nature of that and how can we affect that in a variety of ways that go from the non-kinetic all the way to the kinetic? How can we affect free will? Now, tie that in to Yuval Noah Harari saying, we have the data now, there is no more free will. I showed that clip again during the interview with Dan Golvach. You have no soul, you have no spirit, you have no free will. Those days are over. And so over here, you now have a government employee, a government thinker, a government scientist, a Frankenstein doctor, James Giordano, telling you, okay, well, since the beginning of mankind, man wanted to know what makes us tick and do or do we not have free will and how can we control that? Let's continue. If we take centenary jumps into the era of the Enlightenment, we can see the great thinkers that came before and during the Enlightenment, inclusive but not limited to people like Rene Descartes, pondered the idea of what that means. Cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. The inverse of the statement that in many cases was implicit but now becomes ever more explicit is what makes me think. And if I can understand what makes me think and makes you think and makes you feel, then that understanding may in fact flavor, if not directly influence the way you and I interact. But more than that, if in fact I understand how it is that your brain does what your brain does, I may be able to access your brain and affect your brain indirectly and directly. 
Okay, so you have James Giordano here, government insider, talking about the ability to hack a mind. If I know what makes you think, what makes you feel, I can then hack your mind and change how you feel and what you think. The same thing that Dr. Charles Morgan III talked about. The same thing that Dr. Peters Emanuel and Diane Duilius talk about. So let's just get this out of the way. We no longer have to play these uh, conspiracy theory games, folks. You can straight up tell your friends, your family, your kids, your grandkids, whoever you're talking to, whoever you're trying to wake up, it's not a question anymore. We're not trying to guess at what the government's doing. The big government doctors go speak in front of the West Point Military Academy and tell the cadets exactly what the government is working on. So you know what the government is working on. There's no more guessing. There's no more guessing. The government is in the business of mind control, and it's not just our government. It is the government's worldwide they are all involved with what they call neuroscience or brain science. They want to know what makes you tick and how to control it. It's right there. I mean, I don't know who else you have to present. Whether you have to have Biden, to like, does it have to be the president of the United States who comes out and says, we are mind controlling? Does it have to be Trump who tells you? These are the government officials. These are the bureaucrats, the Frankenstein doctors developing it, and they're telling you time and time again, this is what we're doing. We have weapons to single out individual people and kill them based on their DNA. We can store stem cells in you that we can trigger at any point with sound waves to give you cancer. We're, we're out to control the mind. We're putting brain-machine interfaces in. This guy praises Elon Musk's efforts to bring it into the consumer sphere. So it's no question anymore. You can tell people definitively, hey, I'm sorry, Frank, you're the crazy one because the government admits that they're doing this. They admit that they are after mind control, not just here in the U.S., but on the worldwide stage. All right, let's continue. And what this allows us to do is to create tremendous potential and possibility and probability, potential, possibility, and probability of what the brain sciences can do and will do. Remember these three letters. A, A, and A. Okay, so three letters. Let's write this down. Let's play along with James Giordano's game. A, A, A. Let's write that down. Keep them as your viable mantra for the duration of this course today and throughout your professional careers and each and all of the opportunities that you have to interface and try to understand the power that the brain and cognitive sciences can yield. A the ability to assess the brain and its functions. A, the ability to access the brain on a variety of levels, from the subcellular all the way to the social. And A, the ability to affect the brains and the individuals in which those brains are embodied and the ecologies in which those individuals enact, engage, encounter, from the level of the individual to the group, to the community, to the populational. So we have AAA, assess, access, an effect folks so as i'm learning you're learning i'm taking down notes here like i'm sitting in a college course of course i'm not really big into uh biology chemistry those are not my areas of expertise but i am interested in understanding what the frankenstein doctors are trying to do to me and do to you and do to my coming baby 
That is what I'm interested in. So I have to sit here. I force myself to sit here and listen to these folks so that we can try to figure out exactly what they are doing, what they are after, and how the hell we are going to avoid these monsters. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. That's right, folks. We are rocking and rolling here, and I'm going to jump right back into this, folks. We are at West Point Academy. We went back in time to October 2018 in our time machine, Um, and we are watching Dr. James Giordano explain brain science, and we've already picked up a lot of intelligence, folks, that the brain is the 21st century battlescape that we will all encounter or have encountered a neurocognitive science weaponized against us in our professional or personal lives. We're picking up a lot. Right now we are at this point in which he says, remember this forever, AAA, assess, access, and affect the brain. All right, let's continue. Look at the power that understanding tools and techniques of the brain sciences afford. It's there before you on the screen. Obviously, if in fact this gives me some insight to the way people interact, inclusive of the way they may interact in bellicose, aggressive, violent, and volatile ways, and it also confers upon me certain powers to be able to influence that, alter that, change that, mitigate that, then clearly I'm able to use the brain sciences as we have tried repeatedly in the past to influence the postures and capabilities not only of our own individuals who are engaged in warfare, intelligence, and national security operations, but those who seek to threaten us. In other words, we can utilize these things in national security, intelligence, and defense. Okay, let's just pause that for a second, because I'm going to back it up and read to you what was on the uh, screen, folks, um, before he started to change gears. So up on the screen, he has a slide. It says, Neuroscience and Technology, Neuro S slash T, puts the brain at our fingertips. And it says, potential to harness and engage neuro-ST, that's neuroscience and technology, in convergent multidisciplinary approaches to study, define, predict, and influence human ecologies. Number two, affect human activities on individual group and population levels. You hear that? Affect human activities on individual group and population levels levels number three to affect human relations on local regional and global scales number three influence postures and conduct of national security and defense agendas you see it's it's manipulation folks manipulation all right let's continue in other words we can utilize these things in national security, intelligence, and defense. 
Okay, so now up on the screen, he has a slide. Neuroscience, neurotechnology in NSID. Let's see if he explains this. If not, I will read the slide to you. Please look at the timeline. A mere 10 years ago, in 2008, the National Academy of Sciences National Research Council convened a group to create a report dedicated to if and why and how brain sciences might be viable, valid, and of value in national security, intelligence, and defense operations. And in 2008, they did a five-year retrospective and came to the conclusion that although these things may be valid, their relative viability and value at that particular time rendered them not ready for prime time play. Okay, so this is important. So in 2008, he has up there, uh, that's what he's talking about, NAS-NRC report. Neuroscience and technology not yet viable for operational NS, uh, NSID use. So not viable in 2008. Very interesting, very interesting. All right, let's continue. Our group, working with others internationally inclusive of the Nuffield Council in the UK, proceeded forward from 2008 and did a slightly deeper dive looking at international capabilities, limitations, and delimitations in the brain sciences, and came to a very, very different set of conclusions. Not only were the brain sciences increasingly being considered, interested, and used for possibilities of national security, intelligence, and defense, but they would continue to be so as more and more countries internationally developed the capabilities and the specialized agendas to be able to look into the brain and affect the brain. So much so that by 2014, the exact same committee reconvened and recognize at that time that the brain sciences indeed were ready and in operational prime time for warfare, intelligence, and national security agenda. You know okay, hold on. So now he says in 2014, and folks, I'm going to use this as a teaching moment too. I've watched this before. I've listened to this before. But this time I'm listening to it and I'm taking notes on it. And the reason why I'm doing this, uh, if you're taking notes on what I'm talking about or what he's talking about, this is how I start to try to figure out if I can connect dots between this and other stuff we have reviewed here or things that I know are coming in the future. See, we're trying to figure out what they did to us over the last two and a half years, the last five years, the last 10 years, and where they're going with this 10 years from now. I'm going to just back this up a few seconds. Develop the capabilities and the specialized agendas to be able to look into the brain and affect the brain. So much so that by 2014, the exact same committee reconvened and recognized at that time that the brain sciences indeed were ready and in operational prime time for warfare, intelligence, and national security agenda. You know okay, so he says in 2014, brain sciences were ready for operational, and he believes, he said, I believe he says in operation, uh, for national security, intelligence, etc. So basically ready for warfare, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue. The words, it is valid, valuable, and already in operational play. The brain is the current and future battle space or at least one that can be leveraged in those ways to be able to create tremendous effect with fairly little investment of engagement. Okay, so he's saying in 2014, it was already operational. The brain was already one of the battlescapes. And he opens up by saying the brain is the 21st century battlescape. And remember what I told you before we started. We are the enemy, folks. 
So when they're talking about whatever he's going to talk about as far as manipulating the mind, it is being done to us. Just remember that. They put this stuff out publicly on the Internet. You'd say, why is this uh, unclassified? Why is this allowed to be up on the Internet? Part of manipulating us and playing with our mind, folks. I think they actually find this stuff to be quite funny, to be honest with you. All right, let's continue. Up on the slide, he uh, up on the screen, he has a slide. Neuroscience and technology in NSID, access, assess, effect. And those were the three A's that he talked about earlier. But remember now, they're saying 2014, brain science was in operational play. And the brain was a battlescape. All right, let's continue. In other words, what it allows us to do is assess the brain, access the brain, and affect the brain. I'll unapologetically repeat myself throughout this lecture to drive home this point with regard to these capabilities because each and all have gravitas importance and operational leverageability. That said, what are these techniques and technologies that have rendered this capability and, if you will, geopolitical, military, and social power? Well, I have them here before you. Generalization, we could parse them down into two discrete domains. First, the assessment neurotechnologies that do exactly as the name would imply. They are based upon various tools that we can use to assess those structures and functions of the brain that may be involved in those processes of cognition, emotion, and behaviors. Okay, so the ability to assess the brain, right? The ability to assess the brain. Remember, this is why I wanted to build this all up for you and go back to Operation Paperclip, MK Ultra, and show you the mind manipulation, the mind hacking, the mind bending, the ability to run studies on the brain, on the mind, on human behavior using LSD when they basically strip away um, some of your control over your body and your mind. And then the new rollout of the psychedelics coming out in the mental health and the growing, the orchestrated growth in the mental health um, field, okay? The diagnoses of mental illness. And so we're seeing this all come together. That's why this is very complex, but this is going to fill in a lot of gaps, folks. All right, let's continue. Humans are tool users. Rarely, however, do we turn over a rock, look around a corner, or peer under the bed just to know what's under there. We use, at very, very least, the knowledge we have gained from turning the rock over and looking under the bed around the corner. And very often, those things that we find under the rock, under the bed, or around the corner become tools for us to use in a variety of other engagements. Brain science, like any other science and technology, is no different. Earlier in the day at lunch, Major and I had a conversation about the viability of different types of research. Science for science's sake. Science just to know because that's where your interests lie. Oh, look, I've been an academic for well over four decades, and I can tell you that that kind of research is wonderful. But when that research is generated for a purpose and when it's funded and when that purpose deals with those things that are near and dear to the health, survivability, flourishing and protection of kith and kin, then that research is operational research that has an end goal of use. This is what this is about. It's not just a question of trying to figure out what makes the brain tick and the way it's built. It's can we get in there to affect the ticking and talking and by affecting the way that brain is built and the way it functions, influence in ways that are kinetic and non-kinetic, the attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, emotions, activities, 
and relative vulnerabilities and predispositions of those individuals for whom both we are responsible in terms of our own forces, perhaps to make them better, more insulated against injury, operationally protected and enhanced, and those who may threaten us. Pause for a second, Professor. Pause for a second there, Dr. James Giordano. Folks, I hope you just heard what I heard. I hope you picked up what I picked up. Now, I told you this guy talks fast. He packs a lot of intelligence into a very short amount of time. I need to replay this clip for you. You need to fully understand what he just said. Remember, he talked about in 2014, four years prior to this speech, this lecture, that the brain science uh, warscape, battlescape was already in operational play. Let me just play this one more time for you because what he's talking about is that science for science's sake, science just to answer questions is one thing. Okay, it's all fun in the world of academia, he says. But science for the purposes of actually affecting something are what's important. And he says, talking specifically about brain science, that they aren't just there poking around to figure out how things work. They are there to manipulate and to change and to affect things. And I want you to hear that again because this proves a major point for us, that they aren't just talking theoretically. They aren't just doing this for shits and giggles. They are there to manipulate. And I will tell you, they're going to be mind-controlling, mind-hacking, and mind-bending. At the same time, they aren't doing all this transhumanist Frankenstein technology just for the heck of it. They're doing it because they're trying to affect something. They're trying to build something. They're trying to destroy something. Thing. That's what I keep telling you. It's a war against humanity. This is the engineering of humanity out of existence. Once these guys take control of your mind, your behavior, your thoughts, your dreams, your desires, your memories, your hopes, then what do you have left as a human? They want to control everything, ladies and gentlemen. They're doing it through people like Dr. James Giordano, a Frankenstein monster who works on behalf of the state at the highest levels for the new world order. At the world level, folks, there are no governments like we believe in. He just told you he is sponsored by the U.S. government, but he is working on these projects on the world stage. He sits in the U.N., he shares this information. They're all working together, folks. All this stuff is controlled through places like the World Economic Forum. Ladies and gentlemen, when I get back, I'm going to replay that clip for you because it's one of the most important things we've heard, and we've already polled about a half dozen highly valuable pieces of intelligence out of this lecture. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, folks, I am Dustin Gold back here with the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv slash gold. 
All right, folks, we are picking up a lot of information. I think you can see why I waited so long to do this uh, review of the Dr. James Giordano piece. Because there's just so much he talks about that connects back to things that we've already covered. And so I have to always lay this foundation for you before we get into something as complex as this lecture. But once we understand, once we analyze and we fully understand this lecture, this is going to lead us to so many other places. And each one of these that we do... Each one of these we absorb, and then I usually run another few episodes, and I kind of link it back in, and this way it gets placed into your head. It allows you to remember it, folks. I'm mind-hacking you. No, I'm trying to help you understand this, comprehend it, and remember it, so that when we move on to the next piece, and the next piece, you're going to have this big, solid foundation and understand what technocratic transhumanism is and where these guys are going with it. All right, let's pick up where we left off. Just so much intelligence here, folks. And if we end up having to back up a little bit and relook at some of this stuff tomorrow or the next day, we will do that. Because this is a pretty long lecture, but I think it is, frankly, invaluable if you do want to understand where we're going in the future. All right, let's continue. Ability, flourishing, and protection of kith and kin, then that research is operational research that has an end goal of use. This is what this is about. It's not just a question of trying to figure out what makes the brain tick in the way it's built. It's Okay, end goal of use. He's saying this brain science, end goal of use, and it's not just about finding out how the brain ticks. Can we get in there to affect the ticking and talking? And by He wants to affect the ticking and talking. Do you understand this? They are building this at the world stage in cooperation with all of these different governments, he said, not for the end goal uh, of use. They want to get in there and they want to affect the ticking and talking of the brain. Affecting the way that brain is built and the way it functions, influence in ways that are kinetic and non-kinetic, the attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, emotions, activities, and relative vulnerabilities and predispositions of those individuals for whom both we are responsible in terms of our own forces, perhaps to make them better, more insulated against injury, operationally protected and enhanced, and those who may threaten us. Okay. Okay. Do you understand that, folks? I mean, seriously, like, I hope you do. And, and sometimes I have to listen to that kind of stuff two or three times to fully absorb it. And I assume if I have to, you may have to. Of course, I've had a head cold the last couple of days, so I don't absorb information as fast as I normally do. But I want to just back that up and play it one more time and then listen to what he says at the end. He talks about how not just to use this against our enemies, but to use it with our warfighters to maybe affect their brain, tweak their brain, affect the ticking and talking in their brain to make them better warfighters. But as I told you, don't think of this as some program that's going to be building a cyborg soldier and putting it out in the battlefield to fight cave dwellers in Afghanistan. 
we are the enemy in all of this. So when they're talking about utilizing this stuff against the enemy, but also utilizing it to make their warriors better, think about Yuval Noah Harari. Think about the discussion I had with Dan Golvach about how the guys at the top want to become these immortal gods, while the rest of us, they'll either kill, you know, genocide us, depopulate us, or or turn some of us into slaves. So when they're talking about affecting the mind of the enemy, they're talking about me and you. When they are talking about giving the power to their warfighters, I believe in the end you're going to find out. In the end, not in this speech, I'm talking about in the future, that these powers they want to give to themselves. All of the mind uploading, the mind tweaking, the Marvel superhero powers, the nanobot Iron Man suits, the weird tweaked up DNA spliced biological bodies they grow inside of synthetic wombs. This is their technology. They're trying to turn themselves into some super freak race. That's what Jared Kushner and the rest of these weirdo transhumanist singularity supporting freaks want to become. All right, I'm going to roll this back, listen one more time, then I'll let it play through. Ability, flourishing and protection of kith and kin, then that research is operational research that has an end goal of use. This is what this is about. It's not just a question of trying to figure out what makes the brain tick and the way it's built. It's can we get in there to affect the ticking and talking, and by affecting the way that brain is built and the way it functions, influence in ways that are kinetic and non-kinetic, the attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, emotions, activities, and relative vulnerabilities and predispositions of those individuals for whom both we are responsible in terms of our own forces, perhaps to make them better, more insulated against injury, operationally protected and enhanced, and those who may threaten us. Okay, right. There it is. So those that threaten us would be me and you, and tweaking of them, their warfighters are them. I don't think it's the military. I really don't. I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see, uh, like, we're going to create Iron Man um, exoskeleton suits strapped around real-life Incredible Hulks, and then we're going to fly six of these things over in a Chinook helicopter and drop them off in the mountains to uh, battle Vladimir Putin's, you know, human army. I, I just... I don't see that. I mean, try to think of that from a common sense perspective. And if everybody has mutant creatures, uh, okay, why are they all meeting at the world stage like he's talking about? America's, not just America and its allies, but everyone is involved with brain science and tweaking the brain and building these uh, freakish mutant monsters. It doesn't make sense, folks. Unless they're going to make mutant monsters to turn them against us, I would think that they're... using the guise of the military to build this superhuman technology for themselves and then they're going to use the other side of it the messing with our brains affect the ticking and talking to turn us into some kind of slaves i don't know with the psychedelics and the vr headsets or something i mean this just seems to be where they're going with this I know my idea may sound crazy to you, but does his idea not sound crazy to you? Does Cyborg Soldier 2050 not sound crazy to you? That comes from the government. 
What is crazier to believe that the government is building Marvel superheroes to go fight Russia and China and North Korea, or that the government is actually using our money, our resources uh, to build this sort of immortality technology for themselves when their own spokesman for transhumanism at the highest levels of the private sector and the government talk about this, this quest for immortality? I mean, both ideas are crazy, except you and I talking about it. We don't have any power. We don't wield any influence. These guys do. All right, let's continue. To do that, we need to intervene. So the other dimension of these neurotechnologies are interventional neurotechnologies. Now, I'm not going to bring you down the rabbit hole into what each and all of these things do, because you don't want to be a neuroscientist, and I'm certainly not going to make you a neuroscientist in an hour. But I think it becomes important to dial into a little bit more clarity and with further granularity what we're really talking about when we talk about these relative assessment and interventional technologies. In the former case, probably the one that gives the most rise to both provocation and contention are various forms of neuroimaging, the ability to image the living brain, to be able to see what brain areas are differentially active as we engage in different thoughts, feelings, emotions, and tasks, and to then correlate the interaction of those nodes and networks with discrete patterns that occur not only in individuals, but in groups of individuals. In other words, if I can see how this gentleman's brain works, whether he's awake or falling asleep, thought I catch you. The idea there is that I can then understand, I'm only kidding, I can only, I can understand better, relax, can only understand better not only what makes him happy, agitated, engaged, or tired, but I can then in some way alter my discourse to be able to make him feel happier, more engaged, and less tired. In so doing, I can take the information I have about the way a brain works, and I can put it to good use, practical use. Think about this. If I know what makes you tick as an individual, and I'm then able to generate patterns of how you as an individual relate to, are similar to, or different from other individuals, I may be able to then generate information that allows me to interact with you on ways that are more meaningful to our level of interaction. In other words, the more I know about what makes you tick, the more my interactions can be geared with you to make you tick the way I want you to. Okay, so let's pause there for a second. Just think about this. I let him go for a while because what he was saying there was not too complex, didn't really have to be broken down. But essentially what he's saying is if he has the ability to scan my brain, Dustin's brain, and he knows what makes me tick, he knows what makes me excited, he knows what makes me angry, then he could utilize certain words, certain phrases, certain activities, certain facial mannerisms that he could manipulate me. Uh, nothing new there. A lot of people know about this. You can read about this type of stuff if you want to become a lecturer, give better business presentations, you want to be a better salesman. You know, this isn't new stuff that he's talking about, but he is laying the foundation for what he is about to get into folks and what i'm about to get into is a short break ladies and gentlemen i will be back right here on pain.tv slash gold my name is dustin gold and this is the dustin gold standard you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain. 
Facebook.tv slash gold. All right, folks. I'm going to get right back into this. So what James Giordano is talking about right now, folks, is the ability to scan a brain, understand how the brain works, understand individually how your brain works, and then how to manipulate you, okay? So if they understand what makes you tick, all right, then they could manipulate your ticking, all right? So that's how it all starts. All right, let's continue with James Giordano. The way I want you to. Obviously, it takes some energy to put people into a big magnet and scan their brain. There's a whole bunch of things that are limitations of brain imaging. We recognize that. That's part of the mission. We seek to delimit those particular constraints and through the use of co-registered different forms of neuroimaging make it better. Some of these forms of neuroimaging are fieldable, operationalizable in field missions. Okay, let's pause for a second. So do you hear what he just said? That his guys understand the limitations of getting you or me or just a regular person into a machine to scan their brain. So part of his mission is to figure out how to simplify that process, miniaturize the technology. All right, so they're starting to try to figure out how to brain scan people on a mass level. I don't know, folks. I'm not saying this is it, but let's just say you were going to roll out an AR, VR headset via Apple for $2,000, and you were going to give it to people on a 36 to 48-month payment plan handed out by AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, and so someone was going to pay you know, 40 to $60 a month for this thing. And it has 12 cameras inside, heat sensors, all kinds of other technology. Who even knows? It's not like anyone is going to take it apart and look at it. Then let's say they have an ability to read people's brains that way. I don't know. Let's say they had the ability to, like, I don't know, orchestrate some kind of a international health emergency. I don't know. Call it a pandemic. And they were somehow able to get a large percentage of people to line up at a high school parking lot and let them smear something on their brain via a Q-tip or even get people, I mean, this would be crazy. I don't know how they would do this, but get people to line up and let them stick them with needles. They would put some sort of nanobots or some kind of dye or something into their body. And then maybe as they're walking around, all this different smart technology that people put in their house or that's even on the streets with different uh, street lights and stop lights and things like that, that somehow they could scan people's brains i don't know i mean i'm just throwing something out there trying to war game this from a crazy psychopathic frankenstein doctor point of view you know a mindset of a madman i'm just trying to come up with ideas if i was sitting in a room war gaming this with dr james giordano these are probably some of the ideas i would come up with they'd say you're crazy you can't orchestrate an international pandemic and get people to line up and let you stick them with needles i would say sure you could sure you could all right folks you get the point all right let's continue with this the imaging make it better some of these forms of neuroimaging are fieldable, operationalizable in field missions. Some of them are not. 
We're seeking to make these things more operationalizable, not only for military medicine to assess individuals who may have incurred brain injury and or the effects of brain injury inclusive of things like PTSD and other forms of neuropsychiatric disorders, but also to understand better how it is that our individuals are able to think through certain situations, how their brains work, and be able to classify those individuals and perhaps specify the way we train them, the way we sustain that training, and that we maximize their performance. Okay, so now what he's doing is he's talking about taking guys injured in the field and then basically understanding how their brains work and retrain them. Nothing really important there, but he's always setting up uh, what he's about to get into. So you have to understand what he's talking about before we move on to the next step. All right, let's continue. We can use other methods as well. Genetics, biomarkers, and information. And that information is critical. One of the things you must learn is as military personnel your demographic, biological, social, and psychological information exists in your jacket and is, in fact, retrievable in real time. That information becomes ever more important as we try to understand the you-ness of you. And the nature to classify that information, hold that information secure, doesn't only exist on the medical side with regard to your HIPAA records, but increasingly is becoming a concern for national security when these large-scale big databases of brain structure and function, physiology, biopsychosocial demographics become ever more available and ever more relevant to what's making you tick, what's making you talk, what's making you strong, what's making you vulnerable. See that? So he's admitting to right there these big, huge international databases on every single individual. And he's telling these cadets at the West Point Military Academy that they have a jacket on them with all of their health statistics, and they are going to understand and know what makes them tick, what makes them talk, what makes them strong, and what makes them vulnerable. Now, it's not just them, folks. It's not the million men and women who serve in the military. This is a database they are building on everyone as i told you we are the enemy the transhumanist technocrats look at us as the enemy we are the plebes we are the peasants we are the serfs we are a threat to them in the very least we use their resources okay we use up their toilet paper they don't like that you know, and in worst case scenario, we uh, could rise up and harm them. And they don't want that happening, folks. So he's sitting there telling these cadets that they have a jacket on all of them. It was, it was like a sci-fi movie. And these guys don't even rise up and say, hey, screw you, pal. All right, let me, let me rewind that so you can hear it again. That was almost like a monologue out of a science fiction movie. Think through certain situations, how their brains work, and be able to classify those individuals and perhaps specify the way we train them, the way we sustain that training, and then we maximize their performance. We can use other methods as well. Genetics, biomarkers, and information. And that information is critical. One of the things you must learn is as military personnel, your demographic, biological, social, and psychological information exists in your jacket and is, in fact, retrievable in real time. That information becomes ever more important as we try to understand the you-ness of you. And the nature to classify that information, hold that information secure, doesn't only exist on the medical side with regard to your HIPAA records, but increasingly is becoming a concern for national security when these large-scale, big databases of brain structure and function, physiology, biopsychosocial demographics become ever more available and ever more relevant to what's making you tick, what's making you talk, what's making you strong, what's making you vulnerable.
I mean, really absorb that, folks. That was a lot packed in there. But I mean, that, that, that was invaluable information. He's telling them. He's telling you and me. Remember, this is unclassified. I didn't steal this video from the War Institute, okay? This thing is published online. But he is telling them, he's telling me and you, they have big databases that have us basically indexed like a Dewey Decimal System by our genetics, uh, by our biomarkers, and by our information. And they know what makes us tick, they know what makes us talk, and they could manipulate us. Let's continue. And the fact that other nations, inclusive of China and Russia, are engaging in large-scale neuro big data initiatives to be able to create large-scale databases that can join not only imaging and physiological, but as well as other forms of phenotypic and genetic data of the entirety of populations renders great power because there's great capability in that information to know where key points of strength and vulnerability may lie, and also to intercede, to inject information in, to in some way be able to affect what appears to be your medical record, your personal record, the evidence that is you. And we can take that step to go one step further. The more I know about you and the more I know about the way your brain works as individuals, groups, communities, even populations, the more I can utilize non-kinetic means such as informational means of narratives, iconographies, semiotics to influence your emotions and your behaviors. We can do this subliminally through computer images. We can do this more liminally through the types of engagements, interactions that we engage through psychological operations and informational operations. We can train better our human terrain teams to be able to interact with individuals in a variety of cultures, groups, settings, and ecologies to be able to improve their performance so as to be less distancing and more ameliorating. You understand what he's talking about here? I mean, I, I have to pause it. He's pumping out four or five bullet points with every sentence that he makes. So I, I, what I'm doing here is I don't, I don't want to pause every single bullet point, folks, because this will take us three months to get through because he talks so quickly. But he's going through a number of instances in which this personalized information, this data they're going to have on each person could be utilized. And so until we get to the points where he's going to talk about really manipulating the mind, I don't want to have to keep stopping and pausing because I think I'm trying to in real time decide if i'm going to piss you off if i don't let him speak or if you want me to keep breaking this down for you but if i go bullet by bullet i swear this is going to take us three months because this guy does talk so fast ladies and gentlemen i mean he is he makes me uh look like i talk like uh, rocky over here hey adrian 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 rocky you know but i don't want to um I don't want to keep pausing every bullet point. So let me just back that up. I'll replay that set of bullets and then we'll continue. And also to intercede, to inject information in, to in some way be able to affect what appears to be your medical record, your personal record, the evidence that is you. And we can take that step to go one step further. The more I know about you and the more I know about the way your brain works as individuals, groups, communities, even populations, the more I can utilize non-kinetic means such as informational means of narratives, iconographies, semiotics, to influence your emotions and your behaviors. We can do this subliminally through computer images. We can do this more liminally through the types of engagements, interactions that we engage through psychological operations and informational operations. 
We can train better our human terrain teams to be able to interact with individuals in a variety of cultures, groups, settings, and ecologies to be able to improve their performance so as to be less distancing and more ameliorating. Okay, so he was giving out examples there of manipulating people through imagery and everything, and then also talking about it, using it for what he deems as a positive thing, like being able to train soldiers to basically bridge the gap between a soldier and an ally that don't speak the same language, all right? So I think you grasp that. Let me continue. We can go further than that as well. We can also utilize these interventional technologies in those ways that may able to be directly affect the brain. Probably the one that you've heard about most recently, most contemporaneously in, in the literature, is the possibility to use some form of directed energy to affect physiology peripherally and also to affect the physiology and health of the brain. Case in point here, U.S. Embassy personnel in Havana and possibly in China. And of course, there's not a lot that I can tell you about that, although I am one of the researchers on that particular project. But this seems to be wholly indicative and supportive of the fact that this was at least some form of directed energy, whether it was wholly intentional or not, still remains to be definitively decided. However, the pattern of insult and injury to those individuals and the pattern of injury of who was affected strongly suggests that this was an intentional and directed engagement and that this represents a beta test, a possible probe of a directed energy neuroweapon. And there are a number of countries that had developed initiatives and agenda towards developing just these types of things, the United States included. Okay, so let's pause there for a second. I want to play that back again. That is important. So he's talking about an incident which occurred. You guys probably remember it where uh, they believe direct energy weapons were being used against um, some of our guys in an embassy. All right, let me just replay this. I think it's important that you do understand this. He just also admitted that the United States has been building this technology as well. There's not a lot that I can tell you about that, although I am one of the researchers on that particular project. But this seems to be wholly indicative and supportive of the fact that this was at least some form of directed energy, whether it was wholly intentional or not, still remains to be definitively decided. However, the pattern of insult and injury to those individuals and the pattern of injury of who was affected strongly suggests that this was an intentional and directed engagement and that this represents a beta test, a possible probe of a directed energy neuroweapon. And there are a number of countries that had developed initiatives and agenda towards developing just these types of things, the United States included. But you also have a whole host of other things that can go bump and bang in your brain. The more we understand the specificity of the brain on a very granular level, the more we're able to derive and develop particular types of drugs that not only can enhance and optimize the performance of our people, but can also be used to mitigate, militate, and in some cases manifest profound morbid changes in their people. All right, let's pause right there, folks. Here we go, getting into the drugs that they can give to basically turn our people, or I would say his people, into superhumans and the rest of the people into zombie monsters. When we get back, we will hear what Dr. James Giordano has to say about that, folks. This is jam-packed with intelligence. By the time you're done here, you're going to say, whoa, 65 episodes in. I have learned so much at the Dustin Gold Standard. I know this stuff is mind-blowing, folks, but if you do want to understand the world that we are quickly moving into, this is how you do it, folks. It's reviewing this stuff that is available to us in real time, dissecting it, dismantling it, and analyzing. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, and we are back right here at the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I know this is a lot to absorb, but we've got to work our way through this. I'll inject some more entertaining stuff uh, over the next day or two as we try to finish this up. But I want to get this laid out because there's some other technologies we're going to be looking at. We have to understand what James Giordano is saying before we get into that stuff. All right. We're just adding to this foundation of work uh, that we have piled up here. We're understanding this stuff and then we're going to move forward into the next phase of transhumanism. And I'm going to explain what technocratic transhumanism uh, technocratic transhumanism is my theory that the two have merged and where we're going to be going with that i just back this up about 20 seconds let's play this i want you to hear this part again talking about utilizing drugs to manipulate the mind here we go that had developed initiatives and agenda towards developing just these types of things the united states included but you also have a whole host of other things that can go bump and bang in your brain The more we understand the specificity of the brain on a very granular level, the more we're able to derive and develop particular types of drugs that not only can enhance and optimize the performance of our people, but can also be used to mitigate, militate, and in some cases manifest profound morbid changes in their people. All right, so he's talking about drugs, utilizing drugs to turn our side into superhumans and their side into zombies. And as I said at the beginning of this, don't think about it as our side being the United States military and their side being the North Korean military. Think about it as he says, our side, it's him and the elites, the technocratic transhumanism, and the other side is us, me and you, just the mere mortal human scum that they hate. All right, let's continue. In other words, against the hostile other. Drugs can be exceedingly specific, and as I'll show you in a moment, can be very, very much used to individualize weaponology in terms of what we call precision pathology or precision effect. We can go further. Clearly, one of the things we can also do is transcranial neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to modulate the node network activity of the brain to optimize the performance of key individuals in certain tasks and performances that are relatively to the missional space. And we can also do that against hostile or perhaps belligerent others. Okay, let's pause that for a second and back that up because that is very important. Folks, he's going to get into the specifics on a lot of this stuff. But he was talking about um, basically a brain machine interface. Uh, Now, remember, Dr. Charles Morgan III made us aware of the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet being run out of DARPA under the program N-Cube. That is a non-invasive helmet uh, that doesn't go into your brain that allows them to manipulate the brain. He's talking about a brain-machine interface right here. Let me just replay that. Neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to be exceedingly specific, and as I'll show you in a moment, can be very, very much used to individualize weaponology in terms of what we call precision pathology or precision effect. We can go further. Clearly, one of the things we can also do is transcranial neuromodulation. The idea- Tra- all right, let's write that down. Trans 
cranial neuromodulation. I love when we get these good scientific words. They sound fantastic. The transcranial neuromodulation or the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet. <laughs> so uh, transcranial neuromodulation is when they drill into the head. And the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet is the one that sits on top of the head. And so remember now, he's going to talk about the Neuralink brain chip being used for their friends and their foes. The idea of going through the skull to modulate the node and network activity of the brain, to optimize the performance of key individuals in certain tasks and performances that are relatively to the missional space. And we can also do that against hostile or perhaps belligerent others. We can go further to implant certain brain machine interfaces. These are many of the DARPA programs that you may hear of now. Probably the one that is most, most notorious in a very good sense is something called the N3 program, which is the non-invasive neurosurgical neuromodulation program Okay, and that is what I just said. That is the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet, N3, he's talking about. So, folks, see that? We don't even have to go look that up in the middle of this because we already know what it is because we already laid the foundation using the DARPA Brain Initiative stuff that we had reviewed in the past. See, I try to do this in a particular order for you so that it continues to build, you know, rather than us sitting here and, and going, uh-oh, what the heck is he talking about? Now we know. So we have the transcranial neuromodulation, and that is implanting a brain chip, and then we have the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet through the N3 program at DARPA Brain Initiative. Let's continue. Neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to modulate the node and network activity of the brain to optimize the performance of key individuals in certain tasks and performances that are relatively to the missional space. And we can also do that against hostile or perhaps belligerent others. We can go further to implant certain brain machine interfaces. These are many of the DARPA programs that you may hear of now, probably the one that is most, most notorious in a very good sense, is something called the N3 program, which is the non-invasive neurosurgical neuromodulation program being run by their program manager, Dr. Al Mundi. The idea here is to put minimal sized electrodes in a network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. The United States is not alone in such efforts. And then of course, you also have the things that are a little bit more traditional. If we talk about things that can be operable in the biochemical space, we ordinarily talk about drugs, bugs, toxins, and ever more, we're considering devices. Drugs, bugs, drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. Let's write this down, folks. Drugs, bugs, toxins, and devices. Everything they'll sell you on Amazon.com. Let's continue. At the last Biological Toxins and Weapons Convention, the Revcon, it was then raised by the Australia group that we need to be a little bit more salient in our attention to those possible neurotechnological devices that may be able to be weaponized. Our group has also argued that the current considerations and extant categories of the Biological Toxins and Weapons Conventions are not detailed enough to be able to appreciate or keep pace with the advances in this form of science that can be weaponized that poses a risk and threat on the battle space. So how then can we use these elements as weapons? Means of contending against others. Formal definition of a weapon, right under the Oxford Old English Dictionary. Means of contending against others. Okay, so he's talking about now how to use this as weapons. Means, what did he say, folks? Let's back it up for a second. Just make sure we understand this. Means. 
means of contending against others. Means of contending against others, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue. Formal definition of a weapon, right out of the Oxford Old English Dictionary. Means of contending against others. And we can do that in a number of ways. We can militate their behaviors and their thoughts in some ways as to make them more amenable to what we do, the idea of positive weaponology. Or we can, in fact, mitigate and in some cases completely nullify their capability, will, or engagement to fight. If we combine those two definitions into one, what we find is those agents that will either change individuals' thoughts, vulnerabilities, volatility to violence and aggression, or incur morbidity, dysfunction, and or mortality in such a way as to then mitigate the engagement altogether. I think that's important, folks. I think we should listen to this again. And at the same time, and I'm not saying this, ladies and gentlemen, but this was in October 2018 at the Modern War Institute at West Point Military Academy in front of the cadets and faculty. And just just listen to what he says, but put it in context to, let's say, the American public. And when you ask yourself, oh, as I do all the time, I can't believe no one is rising up. I can't believe during the last two and a half years of COVID land, the high school theater production, no one rose up. Yes, some of us didn't get vaxxed. Some of us didn't get tested. Some of us refused to put on a mask in the grocery store. But at the end of the day, we did not revolt. We didn't really do much. We were afraid of our Karen and Ken neighbors, and we pretty much kept our heads down. Some of us would get in a little back and forth fight, but nobody rose up. So you ask yourself all the time, how is this not happening? How do people not know this? With all the corruption they throw at us, all the corruption that's unveiled right now, it's planned, but it's happening. They're starting to admit mRNA is leaching from women's breasts into their newborn's mouth. mRNA is causing these problems and these problems. The vaccine may be responsible for some deaths. All these new threads from doctors now coming in on Twitter saying, oh, Fauci led the largest mistake. We have the proof. They're manipulating you, by the way. It wasn't a mistake. All this was intentional. But you ask yourself, how could these guys manipulate the masses into not revolting remember i told you at the beginning of this lecture to think about us as the enemy when he talks about the enemy all right and he's talking about them that would be his side the transhumanist technocrats the military industrial complex but we are the enemy and just listen one more time to what he says right here while you ask yourself the question why would the public in the united states here not fight back let's play this means of contending against others. Formal definition of a weapon, right out of the Oxford Old English Dictionary. Means of contending against others. And we can do that in a number of ways. We can militate their behaviors and their thoughts in some ways as to make them more amenable to what we do, the idea of positive weaponology. Or we can in fact mitigate, and in some cases completely nullify their capability, will, or engagement to fight. There you go, folks. On a mass scale, could they, he's saying we, we, we could do this. We is the state. We are the technocratic transhumanists. And when he says they, meaning us, we, the state, could do this to them, the plebeians. Take away their will to fight. 
utilizing all of these neuroscience technologies, ladies and gentlemen. Just say the last two and a half years, you would say, why did no one fight back? Why did no one stand up? Well, maybe the answers can be found right here in Dr. James Giordano's lecture to the Modern War Institute. He opened up by telling us that the brain is the 21st century battlescape. He said that we would all come in contact with some form of neurocognitive science being weaponized against us. He brought up WMTD squared, weapons of mass destruction and disruption of influence. Disruption and influence, influence over us. He's gone through how to manipulate the mind, how to turn the enemy down almost, manipulate them into the fact where they are pliable and where they become docile. You ask yourself how and why no one has fought back against this state right here against the government right here in the United States. Forget about the world power. Forget about the new world order. Why has no one stood up and fought back against this government? When they pushed us around, they kicked us in the nuts, and they treated us like animals, like slaves, like peasants, like serfs, like plebeians. And then you listen to the Frankenstein doctors that the government employs to develop this weaponized brain science. And they talk about the ability to drug us. They talk about the ability to manipulate us through the internet. They talk about the ability to implant things in our heads, to put devices on our heads. They talk about the ability to turn us into docile little mice that just follow orders and do what we're told. Oh, yes, he makes it seem like he's talking about the enemy, some distant enemy off in Russia or China and North Korea. But you know damn well that this creepy Dr. James Giordano is talking about you and he's talking about me ladies and gentlemen when we get back tomorrow episode 66 i will try to finish up this speech by dr james giordano folks you don't want to miss this we are going deep we are getting answers and we are going to continue to expose the technocratic transhumanists and their regime ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world Built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold.